0: Isn't that a great start for a new year? (laughs) What's it gonna be? Which of the two houses will you choose? Good morning. morning. Happy New Year. Okay, 2023, we made it, (laughs) right? Yeah. Hey, I'm excited. I'm excited because today we get to start out the new year. It's literally January 1st, so we get to start out the new year. Um, looking into God's word together, amen? Good way to start it out. Um, So let's stand together. We're going to be looking at our passage this morning coming out of Matthew Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Now, if you know the book of Matthew, you know that this passage comes out of the last part of a section called the Sermon on the Mount. We're gonna be looking at the Sermon on the Mount over the next several weeks. But we're starting at the end. Because at the end, Jesus gives us a good reason for listening to all the words that come before the end uh, in this section in Matthew seven twenty four to 27. So I hope that this passage will set us up for the next several weeks together as we're looking at this important part of scripture. Matthew 7, 24 to 27, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rains fell, the floods came, the winds blew and pounded against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Every day... You know, we talked about making resolutions, and each new year we say, you know, this year I'm going to do it different, right? I mean, sometimes it's like, this year I'm going to start working out. You know, that uh, gyms and stuff, they have this huge surge in memberships right at the beginning of the year, and right about the second month of that year, people finally start bailing out of them because it just didn't stick, right? But every day, uh, and this is one of those days that we pay attention to this, but every day we have the chance to choose how we're going to build our life, right, each day, whether we're going to build it um, into the best life that God intended or whether we're going to build something else. And Jesus said that if we're going to build it um, in the best way possible, it's going to be a life that's built on his word, on his words, including these words that are here in the Sermon on the Mount, that's to be our foundation. So today, we're gonna to start this new year. We're gonna start doing that. We're going to be talking about sure footings. Father, this morning, we ask that you would be here, that your spirit would be here. God, we, we are in the process of um, a couple of things. One is we're in the process of deciding. We're making that decision even now of how, how we're going to listen to you and how we're going to what we're gonna do with this word that you give to us and what we're gonna do with this, um, these important things that your spirit speaks to our hearts and to our minds, speaks about our lives, is, it's like a, a magnifying glass that you hold up to our lives and we get to see our lives for what they are and not maybe what they, we imagine them to be or what we wish they would be, but we get to see what they are and then you give us also a picture of what they can be, what we can become. Through your son and so uh, Father, this morning I pray that we would uh, we would not shy away from that we would not look away but we'd look intently into this word. we'd listen intently to your spirit as he speaks to us and challenges us for this day and for this new year about the way that we build, the way that we um, continue to let your your spirit build in us and build that new life which is ours in Christ so Um, Father, be here this morning. We pray that you would speak clearly, that our hearts and our ears would be open to hear you, and that we would be more like Jesus when we leave this place, and not just for the moment, but our hearts would be set on him. That this truly would be a change for this year that begins this morning. We pray this for your glory, Father. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. We pray this. By the power of your spirit. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. (coughs) Excuse me. So, for the past week, uh, Carrie and I, we got to uh, be with our kids and our grandkids uh, out in St. Louis. Our original plan was to fly. Um, Some of you guys know the story. If you've been reading, uh, kept up with the news, it's been all over the news about. uh, how uh, air travel has been these last several weeks. So after uh, a couple of, uh, well, multiple cancellations over multiple days, uh, we finally decided at about 2 a.m. on Monday morning, after we got the notice of the last cancellation, we said, you know what, let's just drive. <laughs> so we jumped in the car and uh, we drove out there. We figured that way we might make it. <clears throat> and so we did, we made it, we had a great time. And obviously we, uh, we made it back um, but it was funny, last night, driving in, because it was kind of that balmy weather, you know, 50s, and we're going, wow, December 31st, you know, balmy weather, and it was kind of this drizzly rain that was coming down at the time, and uh, we had just spent time with the family, you know, over Christmas, and just made this long trip, and it reminded me, honestly of a, uh, almost exactly five years ago, a very similar day when we drove for the first time into Rhode Island. And we were coming up from North Carolina where we had just spent a lot of time with the family and just spent, you know, a long time on the road driving up here and came in and it was balmy and drizzly on that day too, and so... Um, kind of had some flashbacks of five years ago. And just realizing, you know, it's been five years. We've been here for, at Christ Church and in Rhode Island, and uh, it's been a full five years, hasn't it? A lot's gone on. A lot has changed. I think we may have packed five years worth of stuff in the last two or so, but um, it's been good. And what that also means, though, is that Carrie and I have been in our present house for five years. And for us, that's, that's very meaningful because it ties now this house with uh, one other um, for being the second longest that we've been in any of our homes. And so uh, if you think about that, I mean, Carrie and I have been married for 35 years and uh, we have been only in three homes that we've been there for over five years. We've, you know, sometimes it was multiple places in the same location. Sometimes it was different places. But what that means is that we've had the opportunity to see and to look at and to move into and live in and sell a lot of different places, you know? And one of the things that you find when you have the opportunity, I hope none of you have that kind of opportunity, (laughs) but um, when, when you find that kind of opportunity to see that many places, you find one thing for sure is that sometimes when you're looking at homes, the most obvious things about the homes are not the most important things to pay attention to. Right, I know that many of you guys have found that out too. A lot of times people go into a house and they go, oh, I could never live with that color. Well, you can paint it, right? That's easy. But if you miss something like, say, about the foundation of that house and the foundation goes bad, something that you're not gonna see just by looking at it. In fact, you have to dig around. You have to go looking specifically if you're gonna look at the foundation. If there's something wrong with the foundation, you're gonna have real trouble, so some of the things that are most important are actually the things that are hidden. Now, Jesus, in Matthew 7, 24 to 27, said that you know, his words were to our lives, like a good foundation is, to a house. If you, have, if you have a strong foundation, you have a strong house. And if you have a life that's built on these words that Jesus was speaking, you have a strong life, a life that can endure all kinds of things It will come against it, and all kinds of storms that might rise up in it. And when he was talking about these words, specifically in Matthew 7, he was really looking back at all the words of this this section called the Sermon on the Mount. It's a section that uh, has been taught regularly. It's a section that has been debated fiercely. It's been a section that's various interpretations over the course of the history of the church that they've looked at and said, well, this is how you're supposed to apply it, or this is how... You take it to your life, but there's never been a question about whether it was important. It's just how are we supposed to take it? So over the next several weeks, we're going to take a look at this section. Now, foundations to houses come in a lot of different shapes and sizes, and we find this with our lives as well. There's a principle here. If you go to California, you'll find that there are foundations that have huge springs attached to them. And the reason is, is so that those springs can be used in case of an earthquake. They'll absorb some of the shock, some of the energy of the earthquake. If you go to central Kansas, you'll find that many houses, they have these reinforced foundations in the form of a a storm shelter because you want to find protection in that foundation from from the storms that come through there, the tornadoes. If you go to to the coastline, what you'll find is a lot of times they'll pour these really deep footings and they'll have these stilts. And the houses will be really standing up on top of these stilts in case these floods and the storm surges come in. Now, springs won't help you in case of a storm surge, right? And, and stilts won't help you in case of a tornado. And you're not going to do any good going down into a basement shelter if there's an earthquake. Different foundations have different functions, And they're formed based on the type of storms that you know are going to attack it, are going to test the house, are going to test your life in that area. And Jesus says, you know, it's the same thing you need to take into account in your lives. And in our lives, we need to know what is this storm that's going to be coming up against? What is it that we're going to be tested by so that we can lay the right foundation for it? Now, people in Jesus' day, they knew this, this picture that Jesus was painting because they understood flash floods. They understood every spring the the snow would melt off the mountains and the, the heavy rains would come and all the ravines and all of the gullies and all of these wadis would fill up with water and these torrents would overflow and they would just wash away everything that wasn't anchored down. They understood sand Because they lived in an area kind of like ours where you didn't have to dig that deep you know, and you'd find sand everywhere because it was everywhere, over the surface of everything. They understood rock. They understood in Israel that bedrock is literally underneath everything, underneath the sand, everywhere. It was underneath all the fields. It was underneath all the mountains and the hills. It was underneath all of the houses. And this wasn't just stones like we find in our area. You know, stones, if you, get enough, if you get enough water coming down, it's gonna wash away even some of the biggest boulders that you can find. It'll move them. But this wasn't that kind of stone. It was talking about the bedrock, the huge slab of rock that lies underneath everything that doesn't move. In fact, the water moves against it, but doesn't move it. Sand will move. Bedrock doesn't. So if you're going to build a house in Israel, The right foundation to lay is going to be that you anchor it into the bedrock because you know the storms are gonna bring the floods in the spring and you know your house is going to be tested. So you anchor it in so that it won't move. And the question that we have to ask is, okay, so if we know the storm that will be coming against us in our lives, then why would we choose any other anchor, any other Foundation than to anchor our lives into the words that Jesus spoke, but the reality was that even in Israel they didn't they didn't anchor all their homes into the bedrock. That's why Jesus could tell a story like this because everybody knew somebody that had not anchored their their house in and, and probably seen it wash downstream when the floods came. They had learned their lesson. And you say, well, why why hadn't they anchored their, their houses into the bedrock? Well. You know when you're building a house, and some of you guys have probably had the opportunity to build a house as well. And when you're building a house, you have all kinds of choices to make, and usually they're choices that involve the balance between those things that you'd like and the things you can afford, right? And so you have to decide. And sometimes when you look at those, those don't always add, they don't always line up to all the things you want or the things that you can afford. And so you have to sometimes you choose to cut corners in some places in order to make room for others. And one of the easiest places just in looking at the house to cut the corners is in the places you don't see. And so why not cut some corners? Why not cut some corners on things like the foundation? You know, I was walking back in our neighborhood the other day and uh, it was several weeks ago and there was this guy that was putting on an addition onto this house. And I was talking to him about this project he had going on and he was telling me, you know, one of the biggest challenges that they faced in doing this job was that when they found when they looked at the foundation of the original house? Instead of putting footings down, instead of putting these places where it anchored, or or you know digging straight down with with like a, a foundation with a ba- basement or something, instead of going straight down to the ground, they had built this house on this big V-shaped wedge that sat in the ground. And what that meant was it wasn't as stable as as just straight down, and it would kind of it would kind of move. At times, especially since it was wedged into our sandy ground that we have here. And so the wind would come or the rains would come or whatever, and things would shift. So the first thing that they had to do before they could add on this addition, because if you have that going on the one side and not on the other side, it's gonna tear apart. So you have, to, you have to firm up this foundation. You have to redo everything and make sure that this house isn't going to move. And I asked him, I said, well, why, why would anybody do that? That doesn't seem like a very good job. He said, you know, I am not sure, but it probably had something to do with cutting costs. It had something to do with taking away some of the money it would take to put in a right foundation so that you could build more above the ground. You think about that in terms of the story that Jesus is telling in terms of our lives, and you go, you know, how often do we do that? We'll cut back on some of the things, those hidden things that are going on in, in making our, the work that God is doing to transform our lives and change us. And we'll cut back on some of the investment we make there in terms of time or in terms of energy or in terms of resources, because we have something we wanna build that's a little bit more obvious, a little bit more visible to everyone else, a little bit more exciting for us. You know, foundations are not an exciting part of the house. You don't say, hey, family, let's go spend some time in the foundation, right? It's no, let's go spend time in the, the living room, or let's go spend time eating in the dining room or the kitchen, or let's go get some rest. And so it's easy to say, you know, I'd rather spend more time, more money, more effort up here. We do that at times in our lives because often the things that God calls us to, the things that Jesus calls us to with his words, they're not that exciting. They're things like work on your character. You know, what we're gonna find over the next several years that this Sermon on the Mount is about like sharing with others. It's about not making your good works known so that nobody knows about it. Your left hand doesn't even know what your right's doing. It's about Sometimes taking a hit for the team on behalf of the other person so it doesn't even benefit your life as much as it benefits theirs. You go, who wants to do that, right? I'd rather spend more time on the things that show, the things that are more exciting to me. You know, if I didn't spend so much time on being transformed to be more like Jesus, maybe... I'd have more time and more space to take up a new hobby, right? I'd more have more time and more energy maybe to, to watch those shows I've been meaning to watch or to, to get to know, you know, to, to go and develop these relationships a little bit more. I'd, maybe if I didn't have to listen so much to what Jesus wanted me to do, I'd have less things that I felt restricted me or constrained me so that I could make more money in more ways, right? Without having to feel so guilty about how I got it. Seems like life would be a lot easier if we didn't have to spend so much time on the foundation. And all that's well and good, right? Until the flood comes. And Jesus said, You know what? According to the story, and especially in light of the region where it's being told, the implication is that you got to know the flood's coming. So what's this flood? You know, often we talk about floods in our lives. We talk about floods. Usually, though, we talk about like a flood of emotions, right? Something happens. We get this flood of emotions or this flood of words. And, you know, sometimes those can be a nuisance, right? Sometimes those can be kind of annoying, but, you know, they're bearable. When When... The people in Jesus' day, when they were talked about a flood, they had a very different picture, I think, than than we do. They weren't just talking about a nuisance. Uh, For them, the picture of the flood, it was talking literally about a flood. You know, these floods that would come down every spring, they would just take things out. I mean, um, you know, I was watching uh, a a documentary the other night, and it was talking about similar to you know the floods and the the um, landslides that happened after after this earthquake in Tibet. And I mean, they would take out villages. A village that was there before would not be there after. Those were the kind of floods they were talking about. They were talking about floods in terms of, they'd they'd equate it to like an army. An army would be called a flood that would come through and nothing would be left behind it. Everyone would be taken into captivity or just devastation behind. A flood might be an event in your life that just so altered the landscape that was barely recognizable from what it was before. That's what they were talking about with a flood. They were talking about something that had this power to completely devastate, completely destroy you unless you had an anchor, unless you were anchored to something that could endure that flood. And the only thing that they knew that could endure a flood like that was bedrock. So Jesus says, You know what? Flood's coming. My words are the bedrock. So what's the flood? Well, for Jesus, it was not just talking about, you know, those, uh, it wasn't just talking about armies, it wasn't just talking about. Uh, sickness that came and invaded your life. It wasn't just talking about even the spring rains. It wasn't talking about circumstances that come and, and, and crash against your life. He wasn't really primarily talking about that, not at the end of his teaching, not here, not when he's talking about the work of the foundation that he was talking about. If you look in Matthew, you know, it's true. God's word can, can give us strength to endure. All the hardships of our everyday life. That's absolutely true. God's word can, can help us to build a mindset where we have a perspective that allows us to walk through some very hard circumstances. But when Jesus is teaching here, he's not talking about those things primarily. He's talking primarily about a day, a day that's coming. He says, he, he, You don't have to question whether it's coming. This day. Is coming. And it's the day when he said in the future that the fullness of God's glory, the fullness of God's holiness, the fullness of his truth, the fullness of his goodness will be revealed completely. And everything that stands in this way will be tested by the very presence and the very character of God. And it will be tested to see whether it will stand up against that kind of scrutiny, against that kind of glory, that kind of goodness. It's called the day of reckoning. It's called the day of judgment. It's called that day when just everything in this world stands up and says, "Is there? does this stand or does it fall short? Is it washed away in the flood of that day? Just the very the character of God. You know, sometimes people see God is up there and he's made random rules and he comes down and he beats us up because we haven't kept track of these random rules. And that's not the picture that the Bible gives at all. It just says God wants to be with us in his fullness. But to do that, we have to be prepared. We have to be transformed and changed. We have to be anchored. We have to be rooted down because otherwise the flood of just his glory is going to just blow us away. And that, that revelation of God is portrayed in scripture as like a fire. It's like a hammer. It's like, a, it's like a, this cleansing soap, this caustic soap that, that cleanses everything, or it's compared to a flood. Now, some people try to teach in this section. They they teach that you know what Jesus is saying that if is that if we follow him and we we listen to these words and we just kind of we take them and we cling to them that that every circumstance in our lives will get better, you know that somehow we'll get healthier and we'll be wealthier and we'll be more influential and more beautiful, you know, and, and all these things will happen because um, we we. We pay attention and we just listen to God's word. Now, it is true that if we take God's wisdom and we apply God's intended wisdom for finances, we'll do better 99% of the time than we would without it, right? It's true that if we pay attention to what God has said about our health or about relationships or about anything in this life, that if we pay attention to what he said in his wisdom and we apply it to that, we'll do better in this life. Most of the time, the problem is this world is really broken, and we're really broken as people, so we're not going to apply it as well as we could or as much as we should, and this world is not going to always respond in the best way. Other people aren't going to respond, and so there will be times that even when we follow Jesus, sickness is going to blindside us. Economic downturn is going to turn our lives over. There are going to be times when bad things happen, when armies do invade and we get caught in the crossfire. So, Jesus, yes. Does the wisdom of God help us in this life? Yes. Because this life was, this world was created to function best in God's intended wisdom. We can know that. But Jesus isn't telling us to prepare for that because that's not the big flood. That's like the little flood that comes every once in a while that just kind of some water comes down and it washes away some of our furniture. Jesus said, no, I want you to be ready for the big flood, the spring flood that's going to wash out everything because there is a day when Jesus is going, when God is going to come in the fullness of his glory so that he can set up his tabernacle among us and we can live with him forever. And on that day, we gotta be ready. And the only way to be ready is if we have anchored our lives into the words of Jesus and anchored his words to frame our lives. So if we know that that flood is coming, we say, so why? (laughs) Why would we ever cut corners on this foundation that he calls us to, to build on? Now, I, I could think of a couple. I know there's probably more, but one, one might be that you don't buy the whole story about the judgment day anyway. You look back and, you know, in, in scripture, it says that in the day that Jesus arrives, when he, re, he comes again and he comes to set up his kingdom, that people will be going on with their lives just like they did before the flood came in Noah's day. They're gonna be eating and drinking, they're gonna be saying, hey, is things are carrying on today just like they have forever, and they're gonna carry on forever into the future. Now, even our, our small floods, like the economic turns and all that kind of stuff that happens, we do the same thing, don't we? We get into like an economic kind of high point where like, hey, things are gonna go like this forever now. You know, stock net markets never gonna go down again, and our our investments are just gonna keep ballooning like they have been. And how many people I mean, over the course of my lifetime, multiple times have people just been shocked that all of a sudden things changed and they went the way they always do and they turned upside down and they're left in the... That always happens. And it happens in this world. But some people don't believe that there's this big flood coming either. So we don't invest. We don't invest in... Anchoring into that one foundation that will hold true, that one thing, Jesus' words that will hold up in in that revelation. And honestly, all that is about is just asking about whether you believe, whether you believe what Jesus said, whether you believe his account of things or not. You know, he seems to be pretty clear that this flood's coming, this judgment day is coming, this day of God's glory, it's coming. So he says, get ready. Now, if we don't believe it, that's all fine and good. Again, until the flood comes. But God always, he leaves with us that decision. What are you going to believe? And based on what you believe, how are you going to build? Why would you ever build a shallow foundation? Well, only if you didn't believe that there was really any threat coming. Why would you not build on Jesus' word only if you really didn't believe that God was ever gonna show up, that God was ever going to make himself known, that he was ever going to keep the promise of revealing himself fully to us and living with us forever. The other reason we might cut corners is just that we might, in the course of our lives, and I know I do this, I know we all do this, we rationalize in the moment. Well, maybe I can get by with cutting this little corner because I really would like to have that little extra space in the dining room, right? Maybe I'd like to to have that, you know, I know that pouring into this foundation of my life, it's not gonna get me a raise at work, and I'd really like that raise at work. So maybe if I shave some time off here to invest it over there, I can get that and still have this Pretty well intact. Or maybe it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't help us build anything that causes our neighbors to envy us. So maybe if I shave a little bit off of kind of my character here and I can get a little bit more over here, then I can look a little bit better in the eyes of the people that surround me. Or maybe if I shave a little bit off here, I can get a little few more dollars in the bank, or a few more days of vacation, or a few more hours. Of investing in something else. Building on Jesus' work, we're going to find out, is it's about investing in other people. It's about doing a lot of behind the scenes work and not taking any credit for it ourselves. It's about not drawing attention to ourselves through the things that we speak, not letting our left hand know what our right hand is doing, doing those things that are hidden and stay hidden. He says, these are the things that build a foundation. They're not the things that make up for a flashy life above the ground, but they make for a solid foundation below the ground for the day when God arrives in his glory. So the question is, how do we anchor? How do we, what does it mean to anchor our lives into these words? And I, I want to talk today about how, because over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about the what right? We'll have plenty of content to fill into this, but I want to start by talking about the how. And Jesus gives us two things that he says are involved in the how. How do we anchor into these words that he has given to us? So the first thing he says is we need to hear these words. We need to listen. We need to get to know the words that Jesus spoke. Now, what that means is that's just going to be taking time to be in his words. That means taking time. And, and I, I wanna, you know, one of the things I want to encourage you guys to do as we start this and we start thinking about what is this practice of you know, listening to, to Jesus and anchoring into his words is over the next several weeks, take the time maybe to just start with this section. Start with Matthew 5, 6, and 7. If you wanna, if you want a section of scripture that you can spend a lot of time in in that process of wrestling with the Holy Spirit about you know, what does this mean and how do I do this, spend it in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Matthew, first book of the, of the New Testament, so it's about two-thirds of the way through, right? Chapter 5, 6, and 7. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Just over the next several weeks, read through that regularly. In fact, I would say spend time with God every day in his word. Find the time. And not just to, when he says, hear these words, he doesn't just mean have these bones in your ears move around as somebody speaks them and the air pressure. That's hearing, literally. But he's not talking about that. He means really take them in. Hear these words. Take these words, get to know them. So, I, you know, hearing God's words, that's going to take some time. Read it, ponder it, question it, wrestle with it, consider it, write it down at times. Write it down, memorize things that stand out, that God brings out. Carry it with you so that you can pull it out during the day and you can be reminded of it again. There's a word in the Old Testament, that's in Hebrew that's used, is called we, we translate it as, as meditate on. But literally it means to just keep, almost like mumble it to yourself over and over. Let it roll around in your mouth and in your mind. So get to know God's words. Get to know these words of Jesus. In Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So Jesus says, listen to these words. But then the second thing he says is the person who hears these words and then does something with them. Does these words. Now, it's interesting, doing these words. What does that mean? Well, the word, that, that, that the Greek word that's used here in Matthew is this word poieo. And it's the word that we actually get our word poem from. And a poem is not just something that you just kind of throw down on paper, right? It's not just something that you kind of hear some stuff or something comes to mind and you just go, blah. Okay, that's great. That's not a great poem, not for most people. you know. A poem is something that you take time, you craft it. You think about what is this thing that needs to be said and how do I say it in the best possible way so that it comes across with beauty and with elegance and with, with, with meter and with rhythm and with balance, so that people are are captured by it, that's 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 poieo, that's to do something with God's words, with these words of Christ. What do we do? What does that mean? It means that we, it's not just going and doing the first thing that comes to mind. It's not just reading something and going, well, that means, it means sitting there with the Holy Spirit and wrestling with this. Okay, what is this supposed to look like in my life? right? Because each of us are going to take these commands that Jesus gives and they're going to apply in very unique ways because we have very unique circumstances and situations in our unique lives. So he is going to craft these words to be shown through our lives in a certain way. That is what it means to do these words. So we have to hear and understand them and we need to wrestle with them and then we need to, we need to learn how to do them to go through that, that process with God's spirit of hearing and wrestling and then letting him craft and then cooperating as he builds him in as, as patterns, as themes, as, as threads of our lives. So over the next several weeks, we're gonna look at the how, and we're gonna look at the what to fill into this how, right? We're going to, and we're gonna say, okay, how do we take this word and, and, and hear it? And how do we take this word and let God craft it? into our lives. But for this week, what I want to challenge you to do is just take this this challenge, this command to listen and to ask God how to do that because this is a command too. Jesus said, you need to hear these words. And so every day we're going to be given the decision and the choice, Do do we decide to hear the words or not? Do we decide to let these words in and to wrestle with, okay, God, so how, and then, so that's the listen part, but then the how part, or the, the do part is, okay, so what am I supposed to do with this command to listen to your words? How do I fit this listening, this habit of listening to God? How does that fit in my life? How does it uniquely crafted to show itself through my life? When are those times that I can take to listen to God, what's going to work best for, for my personality and my learning style and all that kind of stuff, for my schedule and my day and my responsibilities, what is going to fit best, what is going to work best to, to establish this pattern where I hear what God says, I hear what Jesus is saying, and I learn how to do it, I learn how to make it known, make it, and let him make it a part of who I am. So that's the challenge, This week, as we get started, hear the words of Christ. Hear the words that Jesus is speaking and craft them, let him craft them into your life so that these words actually become your life, that these words are embedded in you and you are embedded in them, which really means that Jesus is embedded in you and you are embedded in him. He says, that's where you'll find that foundation. The foundation, that sure footing, that strong foundation that will hold up against even that day of the very revelation of the glory and the beauty, the truth, the goodness of God. Amen?